Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo Words, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works editor in chief, and I'm joined today by Renee Vangustine, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today we'll take a look at the latest twists and turns at a factory complex in turmoil in the central city of Zhengzhou that just happens to be one of Apple's main iPhone production bases. And we'll also look at vocational education stocks, which are getting a business bump from a growing number of young Chinese putting off looking for work due to a weak job market. We'll begin with Foxconn, which has become a fixture in the Chinese headlines for most of the past month due to the turmoil among thousands of workers who, among other things, make a sizable portion of the world's iPhones. Things began about a month ago when many of those workers fled on worries of getting infected with COVID and quarantined inside their massive compound. They've been protesting since then over pay and other issues, and most recently Foxconn's been offering bonuses to lure people back. Meantime, Apple certainly can't be happy about all the negative publicity, not to mention the production delays. So, Renee, Foxconn is hardly a household name for most of our listeners. Can you give us a sense of what exactly they do? Uh, what's life like for the thousands of workers at this compound? And what are the major factors behind this latest conflict? Well, Foxconn is pretty much involved in mass production of electronic devices. They are obviously best known for being the uh, major production for the iPhone, uh, for Apple, but they also uh, have contracts to manufacture for other companies. I don't know what it is like uh, for people to live in, in the Foxconn facility. Um, and I think it's hard to imagine, but about 15 years ago, I went to visit a company in Shenzhen that was also uh, in the manufacturing of electronic components. And that company actually had a campus in Shenzhen and they had only 3,000 people. But I remember looking at it and seeing people walking in different paths. This was a little bit around lunchtime during the day. And, and there were people moving in every direction on the campus. And it was like looking at, uh, you know, ants going all over uh, the place. And, and I was stunned by the vision of those literally hundreds of people. Now, if you look at Foxconn today, and especially what is called iPhone City in Zhengzhou, I understand they have 200,000 workers in there. I've read reports that uh, talked about 300,000, but most of the ones I've read talk about 200,000. So let's just focus on that. It is, it is absolutely mind-boggling in terms of the number of people that somewhat get packed together in, in a campus that mass produces electronic devices sitting very close to each other um, and you can only imagine what might happen in a place like that, in an environment like that, if one, two or three people uh, catch the virus uh, and do not obviously realize it immediately and cohabit with other workers for a few days before they actually consider to be sick. Uh, and it's even worse if they're asymptomatic. 
So it is an environment that inevitably is going to foster a major problem if the virus gets in there. Right. So this is obviously a problem waiting to happen, I guess. And we can see it sounds like the virus did get in there, and perhaps that's why people were fleeing. Apple said, I don't know if Apple said this directly, but people are saying this is going to affect Apple's iPhone output. How do you see this whole thing playing out, especially in terms of Apple's production strategy? And what do you think is Apple's next step? Well, I have seen um, media reports that uh, talk about the fact that Apple's is going to miss about 6 million iPhone units as a result of this disruption, if you want, at, at the Foxconn facility in Jeju. Uh, 6 million, I mean, that is an impressive number. 6 million is bigger than some countries in the world. So, you know, that I think is a gigantic number. Inevitably, it will have a major impact on uh, Apple's financial results uh, sooner or later, likely in the fourth quarter, I would think. That's one thing. Secondly, there are lots of people here in the US and I'm sure other parts of the world that have been told they're just going to have to wait one, two or three months before they can get the iPhone 14, especially the uh, Pro version. Uh, so it has a definite impact. What it means for Apple, uh, very clearly, it is going to lead Apple to further diversify productivity away from China. The Wall Street Journal, I think, had an article that said that uh, there are credible reports that Apple is currently working on a plan to take additional production away from China and seemingly into India and Vietnam. So that's inevitable, and it probably will grow more going forward. Even if COVID is brought under control quickly in China, and if, even if there are no more disruptions, um, we all have to expect that there will be an another virus that is going to come up at some point in time. And the likelihood that China, if, it is, if it's a pandemic, would apply similar solutions to the problem is very likely. So for any company that is manufacturing in China, whether it's Apple, other U.S. companies, European companies, and so on, inevitably, if they have a very high degree of concentration in China, there must be today thinking seriously about further diversification and, and they must take measures in the months ahead to make that happen. It is not healthy from a business standpoint to have almost all your eggs in, in one basket. That's what you hear a lot of people saying. Uh, I guess this whole pandemic has been a big wake-up call for lots of businesses about uh, putting too much of your eggs in the China basket. I think also one factor is is, um, is the unpredictability of things as they happen. Clearly, you know, if you look at uh, media reports and so on, the company Foxconn made some decisions that were probably not the best, but they were also caught by surprise <laughs> because when when a government in China 
decides to do something like such as a lockup or something like that lockdown, it's immediate effect. So nobody is really prepared for that. Mm. And then, you know, think about the fact you've got 200,000 people there and all of a sudden there's no food and you have to start organizing food procurement, even before food distribution, food procurement and so on in an environment that is locked down. And with, from what I read, even outside the factory, lots of places were locked down, restaurants were closed, shops were closed and so on. And that seems to have been one of the triggers to the uh, frustration and the anger of a lot of people to, because they were not getting enough food, rubbish and trash were piling up in the dorms and everywhere because the company hadn't had time to arrange for, you know, pick up on, of garbage on a substantial basis, additional garbage and so on. So that's, that's the factor that I think is aggravating the situation here for, for uh, companies. It is, it's the uh, unpredictability and, and sudden movements or sudden decisions and sudden action that is taken with no way to actually prepare or organize yourself other than on a lack time basis. Uh, and that's always going to create problems, no matter what, no matter where. Right. The, the last thing that uh, I'm quite amused with, I think this is the first time in my life that I see a company paying bonuses for people to leave and very quickly after that, paying bonuses for people to come back. As far as I'm concerned, has no equivalent anywhere. Quite interesting. Yes, it's a, one of these only in China stories. And I know exactly what you're saying about, uh, and I guess a lot of us do, uh, just about how these things come very suddenly without any warning. And this has got to be one of the one of the biggest frustrations of, of doing things in China. They can turn on a dime real quickly, but then they can also you know, throw stuff at you very quickly without any warning. All right, well, let's turn to our next topic for the day, which is uh, vocational education, which we were spotlighting in Bamboo Works after two major companies reported very nice earnings last month. One of them was called China Education Group, and the other one's called China New Higher Education. Neither are going to get awards for those names, but uh, both of them reported 25 to 30% revenue growth in their last academic year. That came even as, as a lot of other much bigger companies were reporting single-digit gains and even some contraction. So what's driving the growth for the vocational education sector these days when everyone else is doing so poorly? Well, I think that if you look at China specifically, you have, whatever, 10, 11 million kids graduating from university every year. And I think uh, particularly this past academic year, so the largest number of students graduating from the university system in China. And obviously, there are not enough jobs for all of them, at least in terms of uh, offering the compensation that students believe that they deserve for their academic performance grades, their investment of, you know, four years of their life, 
uh, going through university and so on. So there's a big mismatch there. And that's one factor. The second factor, uh, I think, is that what has aggravated the situation is that, as we all know, there has been a series of crackdowns on what we would call the new economy sectors in China over the last, let's say, 18 months. Um, and as a result, a lot of those companies, including Alibaba, Tencent, and so on, have fired people, which obviously has uh, aggravated the situation. But there's also, I think, a, a feeling on the part of the government that there are not enough qualified workers in the manufacturing sector in general, because those blue-collar jobs have historically been looked at as not being as attractive as white-collar jobs, especially in new economy uh, sectors. This, by the way, is, is not a phenomenon that's unique to China. I mean, the US, Europe all have the same issue, where historically college in the US, universities in Europe have been viewed by uh, young people as the place to go as opposed to going to manufacturing. So the Chinese government, I think, is very clearly supporting this effort for very reasonable strategic reasons in terms of uh, manufacturing in China, and especially with the strategic focus of uh, China on the advanced manufacturing technology and so on. Now, some of the workers needed in that will come obviously from universities, but there's a big need for workers coming from a more traditional kind of training, um, almost apprenticeship to some extent. The Germans have been very good at that, by the way, uh, historically. And I think that China has looked at that as, as something that uh, they should definitely support and, and push in China as well. Okay. We should point out for our listeners that these vocational educators that we're talking about are, are quite different from another group of education companies. We've talked about before that have taken a beating over the last year when we're talking about K-12 after-school tutoring companies in that latter group. Uh, that group's been mostly driven out of business after China banned private companies from offering these tutoring services. Uh, but like we're saying, the opposite's true of vocational educators, which seem to really be in strong government favor right now. You've sort of given some of your ideas of, of why the government's treating these two kinds of companies differently. Um, do you see this continuing? Uh, you know, is this a good group of companies, I guess, from an investor perspective? Uh, is this a place where you think uh, you'd put your money uh, instead of the other K-12 guys? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the K-12 guys were actually, you know, much more focused on preparing kids for the university track, which inevitably would lead in China to jobs either in the government or to pretty much new economy, the um, internet economy, e-commerce, all of those sectors, which are obviously not uh, viewed as favorably now as, as they were before. So yes, I expect that uh, this push from the government will uh, continue for quite a while to come. I think that the country will have a substantial need for uh, you know, this kind of talent, especially 
as it continues to push advanced manufacturing, advanced technology, and so on. Okay. So maybe a good place to uh, consider for investors out there looking for interesting new opportunities. All right. Well, thanks for listening this week and join us again next week for another edition of China Inc. when we'll look at all the latest trending China business topics. Hope to see you all then and uh, goodbye for now. <laughs>